Welcome. My name is Lauren Hawker-Zaffer and as your podcast host today on Redefining AI, I welcome you warmly to our podcast series and this unique episode. Redefining AI is a podcast hosted by Squirrel and the Squirrel Academy. The podcast focuses on key narratives and discussions that drive digital innovation and help people understand artificial intelligence, machine learning, insight engines and the insight era. In this particular episode on the promising paths of AI and data, we have the great pleasure of hosting Ryan Keenan. Ryan, uh, Ryan currently works as Director of Product at deeplearning.ai. Now, this is our first time hosting Ryan and with his experience in both data science and education, I'm really eager to open doors and explore these with him. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Lauren. It's really great to have you here. My pleasure to be here. Um, where are you today? Today I'm in California, but normally I'm based in Reno, Nevada. Nice. Is it a, a sunny day there? It was cloudy this morning, but it's kind of often the case this time of year where the clouds are in in the morning and then it kind of burns off by afternoon. But I'm not sure what's going on uh, at this moment. I can't see a window from where I'm sitting. <laughs> okay. Um, so your your background and the paths that you've followed are extremely interesting and very exclusive, obviously, to yourself, um, but also as a journey. I mean, I think that after all, there are very few of us who can claim that they've compared research observations of tens or hundreds of thousands of galaxies with models that make predictions about galaxy formation and the large scale structure of the universe. Now, I think maybe, can you take us through your journey a little and help us identify what's brought you to this particular point? At the moment, you're working with Andrew Ning as the director of product at deeplearning.ai. Sure. Well, there was a, a long path for me through academia and the research that you mentioned was part of both my graduate studies and postdoc work in astronomy. I got started in astronomy essentially by following my interests. I had a really great professor in undergrad who taught astronomy classes at the University of Colorado. And essentially I asked him, how do I do what you do? I thought that both the teaching aspect and the research aspects of the work that he was doing sounded really interesting to me. And particularly in the field of astronomy, I am fascinated with everything outside of planet Earth, that's uh, the, the vast universe out there. But I started down that road, uh, to be honest, when I, when I first asked him, how do I do this? How do I do what you do? He said, well, you go off and take a bunch of uh, physics and calculus and those types of classes. And, and eventually work your way to grad school and do research and things. And I was a person who thought I was not good at science and math after high school, because like a lot of people, I think I just didn't really engage with it. It seemed like something that that I, I interpreted my experience as being not good at it. But when I tried out physics and calculus and all those things with an interest, with, a, with an explicit interest in astronomy and teaching and research, I realized that it actually clicked for me and that, that, it, that it was uh, something that that I could do and that I could really pursue. And so fast forward through the next several years, I got uh, I got a degree in physics. I went on to graduate school, started doing research in astronomy, and then went on to postdoc work in Taiwan. And 
while the universe to me is still fascinating and exciting, I feel like the work that I was doing became a little bit um, frustrating because I felt like it wasn't that impactful. So my research was interesting to me, it was interesting to some colleagues, but it wasn't necessarily something that had much of an impact on the rest of planet Earth or, or things that, that other people were involved in here. So I was seeing some of my colleagues move towards data science and I started to explore that path myself and eventually decided that, that that was for me and that I'll stop looking for my next role in academia and instead just quit my postdoc and went on to start studying data science and machine learning. And after about a year of that, I was, I feel like well positioned to try to start applying for jobs in data science. But uh, having had that path, that's really much like the path that a lot of our learners are on at deeplearning.ai, I was exposed to a lot of online education. Of course, that's the kind of courses I was taking. Uh, and, and I started to get excited about the possibility of entering that field where it felt like uh, I could still take some of the things I liked about academia and apply them in this transition to tech. So, so I, I ended up, long story short, with some possibilities to go be a data scientist in a couple different companies and possibility to go be a curriculum developer at Udacity at that time, mm -hmm. that was the first company I joined. And it just seemed like a better fit to me. So I, I started that journey and in, into curriculum development and online learning. And, and that's uh, one way or another what I've been doing through several roles over the last five or six years. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. And I think that there's a lot of components that you've highlighted there that tie into everything that we want to strive for and forefront in education as well. I mean, you spoke about the professor who influenced you quite heavily. Um, there's a question that I want to ask you about that. So a lot of people do claim that if content's bad and you've got a good teacher, that a good teacher can sort of spark this desire to follow that subject. Would you agree? It was obviously the case for you there. Hmm. I think that it is, it is the case. It would be my interpretation that a great instructor can really spark that interest. But but you mentioned if the content's bad and the instructor's mm -hmm. good, I'm, I'm not sure that still works. I think that the instructor has to be good and the content has to be good. And then you've got the right mix for really inspiring someone. Excellent. And I mean, another thing like going to what you focused on at the start, I mean, you still you can still see that you have this passion for astronomy. If you were to tell us one one thing that really, really resonated with you throughout that time, what would you tell us about astronomy? Well, I think the interesting thing for me as a as a student of astronomy and physics, I think that it's easy to believe when you're first taking the introductory level classes and those things that everything's already been discovered and that, that the world out there is just static and you can read textbooks about it. But as someone who eventually got into graduate studies and research and meeting people who were presenting new work at conferences, for example, and, and, uh, and talking to each other about the latest ideas, it, it becomes very clear that science isn't, uh, isn't settled yet in, in any way. There, there is a lot we know, that's for sure. I think that people sometimes make the mistake of, of uh, assuming that scientists, uh, because they don't have anything nailed down exactly, they don't know anything at all. But it's, uh, it's true that we know a lot about the universe. We know a lot about stars and galaxies, for example, if you're talking about astronomy, but there's a whole lot more to learn and to discover out there. And that's what 
really got me interested in the long run for being able to to study those phenomena and 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 dig into the data and and work on new new ideas and and new research yeah let's move from one ecosystem to maybe another ecosystem so deep learning.ai is the education arm of a broader ai ecosystem that includes an enterprise solutions group landing an adventure studio ai fund if i'm correct yeah yep that's correct mm -hmm. So in, in reading about the company myself, it seems that the ecosystem was founded by Andrew um, to empower individuals and businesses to thrive in a future where AI is the new electricity. Now, what I'm curious about is the metaphor that's used here by, by uh, deep learning.ai, this whole AI is the, the new electricity. I mean, I like it, but I want to question what is AI to deep learning.ai and, and what does it encompass? Like why a, a new electricity? Sure, yeah. Uh, Andrew's been saying that for some time now, and I think that the metaphor is really uh, meaning to to remind us all that 100 plus years ago when electricity was first discovered and the, the world started to become electrified, I think it was clear to people who were, who were close to that, that this is going to change a lot of things, that this is going to be something that really affects everything we do. And of course, over time, that's, that's where we got to, maybe you know, over not that many more years or decades after that, the world became electrified. Uh, everything we do has something to do with electricity. And of course, today we take it for granted that that we have uh, lights and devices and, and power for all the things that we do. So the idea is that AI is in the same sort of early stage right now where people who are close to it, I think, recognize that this is going to transform a lot of how we do things. Mm -hmm. And we're at the point now where even though many people don't realize it, we're interacting with some form of AI on a daily basis. So whether it's in your phone through the apps that you're using on the phone or just internet search or buying stuff online, getting product recommendations, behind all of this uh, activity is, is some kind of AI algorithm that's playing a part, whether it's giving you the search results or giving you the product recommendations or, or doing, uh, you know, interacting with you on the, the apps you're using on your phone. So it might not feel ubiquitous yet, but it's something that commonly a lot of people are interacting with on a daily basis. And, and then there's this whole other swath of industries and other applications that are relatively untouched by AI at this point, but that in general could benefit from integrating AI in some way into their business, their organization, their, their uh, activities that they're doing. So, so what Andrew's suggesting from uh, statement AI is the new electricity is really that if you look back 100 years from now, AI will be as ubiquitous in in everything we do as electricity is now, and, and the difference will be similar to going from pre-electricity to post-electricity. Um, what it means for us at Deep Learning is that with the world becoming electrified with AI, if you will, there are a lot of people out there who are going to need to know how to think about how AI applies to what they're doing, or even to be able to implement the kind of AI algorithms that are behind the applications that are uh, performing in the future. So, so there's a huge demand for the skills 
and there are relatively few people who have the skills to do anything from uh, product management right down to writing the software behind the AI applications and, and deploying those. And so we focus on building courses that allow people to gain those skills. And in a sort of a bite-sized way, our courses are the kind of thing that you could take over a relatively short period of time in your own in your own time, but then that those can stack up into something that becomes a real comprehensive education. Mm-hmm. And most of our learners come to us looking for uh, either getting a new job or trying to find a new uh, path through their the role or upskilling in some way. And so we generally build our classes, our courses with that in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I'd certainly agree with that from a, an education perspective. We do see that as well, like yourselves, that there is this necessity to ensure that there is the opportunity to educate yourself and others on AI and how it will and ch- change how it will and how it is going to change a lot of things. I mean, you mentioned that things will be electrified by AI, which is a really beautiful analogy as well. Um, Where do you think people are, the learners, businesses that you've come into contact with on their own AI journey and their AI journey of understanding what it is, how to use it, how to implement it, what's the best way? I mean, here at Squirrel, we look at the whole augmented component of bringing together human and you know, software, the technical capabilities. What What's your opinion on that? Well, I, I think that I might be uh, looking at all this from a, a slightly limited perspective because I'm, I feel like I'm surrounded by people who understand AI well. Many of our learners have been studying this stuff for a while and they're looking for some more advanced skills. But realistically, if I look at the whole ecosystem that we're part of, you mentioned landing and, and AI fund, Landing in particular is working with clients in industry who many of whom have been around for decades, but really haven't figured out yet how to incorporate AI into their own business. And so they're very interested in not just how do we do the technical solution within our business, say in manufacturing or something like that, but they're interested in providing a broad AI education to their workforce, which is I think something that's becoming a common theme within across a lot of industries that the recognition is there that it's not just about an engineering solution that you implement and then you've done your AI thing at your company, but it's about educating people across different roles and having it become something that's more generally integrated into the the company and how you're doing things. And so I would say that what I, so one of the ways that deep learning collaborates with landing is to help provide those trainings to clients of, uh, of landing. And, and for, for us, it feels like that's a great opportunity to serve a little bit different audience because normally we're talking to individuals, people who come to Mm -hmm. us, uh, you know, by themselves on their own time, looking for more education, but it's, it's, it's at least as true that organizations are in need of this stuff as much or more as individuals. And so, um, so I think that there's a lot of unmet need out there for the kind of education that we're providing and, uh, and, and also just ultimately the, the kind of solutions that businesses need. So how are you taking that in personally, Ryan, when looking at um, development? I mean, obviously as director of product, you have to make some considerations around mm-hmm. that in terms of what you're offering 
how you're offering it, who you're offering it to. Can you give us an insight into sort of those considerations? Sure, yeah. I think that if you look at the catalog of courses we have right now, we've done a decent job of creating a lot of intermediate to sort of intermediate advanced material. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, we're, we're doing a decent job of serving an audience who already knows something, serving an audience who is already perhaps somewhat technical in the field. And Andrew also created a wonderful course called AI for Everyone that is non-technical. It's something that is really meant for everyone. And that's the kind of thing that a lot of uh, either business leaders or anybody who's just trying to get their head around what AI is in the first place and how do I think about it, that's a good starting point. We have a gap, however. And yes, we have, which uh, is interesting. <laughs> we, we, have, uh, we don't have a complete path for somebody uh, through the courses that we're building right now. So as director of product, I'm thinking about how to build out a comprehensive catalog of courses such that wherever you're at in your AI journey, whether it's starting from scratch or you're already somewhere along the way, that you can find a starting point and get to the end point that you're trying to get to within the catalog of courses that we have. So I think that where we can do a lot more is creating more of that introductory level content, that sort of um, on-ramp content for people who are thinking about this in terms of either being in the role that they're in at their company or or how do I need to educate the workforce at my company or how do I just start to take my own journey in this space. You know, another thing that Andrew talks about is just uh, AI literacy, which is sort of a one piece code and one piece data. And that once upon a time, reading and writing was not so common among humanity. You know, this is hundreds of years ago now, perhaps, but it's it's something where there was a time when reading and writing was, was left to the educated elite and that it wasn't something that you needed in your day-to-day -day mm -hmm. practical life. And um, in that sense, we believe that AI literacy, being literate around code and data is something that right now is somewhat relegated to an, an educated elite, people who've spent some time with this, people who are in specific roles related to these things, but that it will, along with the sort of uh, electrification of things via AI, the, the need for AI literacy across all kinds of different roles and, and, and more generally applicable to people's lives will be will be something that everyone needs. So for that, it, there's there's just a, a lot more need for entry-level courses. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my next questions. That's certainly mm -hmm. a question that I'd written down, but the, the AI and data, and I mean, you've mentioned it, it's one piece code, one piece data. Do you feel that, and we can incorporate the whole coding into that um, equation as well, do you feel that every job function needs to learn how to use data? And, if so, or if not, I mean, where do you think it should be introduced in a curriculum? I've spoke to many people who think that understanding data, understanding a technical proportion of maybe a skill set, i.e. learning how to code, that it should be introduced very early on. I mean, talking about sort of first, second class, depending on the system that you're in. What's your own opinion there? or from the perspective of deep learning AI? Yeah, I think I can say that our perspective agrees with that, that, that essentially rather than something that has to do just with your role at your company or your aspirations in your career, that literacy around code and data is something that will be beneficial to every human, whatever they're trying to accomplish and you know in daily life and at work. So 
while that is something that takes a minute to get your head around, like, well, why do I need to know data if I'm an artist or something, or if I'm a whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think once you sit down and think about how this could be beneficial, it's really AI and data and, and code in this sense is around decision-making and, and an AI algorithm is making decisions based on learning something from the data. And it's the same way that humans make decisions. Uh, it's just that right now AI is very limited as to what sorts of data it can interpret and what kind of decisions it can be responsible for. Humans, on the other hand, can take in all kinds of data and, and make all kinds of decisions and draw all kinds of conclusions. But being able to make the right decisions, I guess, or being able to make decisions that are well-informed by the data is something that takes on a lot of different forms in, in our lives, I think. And so we, we, I think I can speak for deep learning and, and Andrew <laughs> in the sense that we also believe that that education around code and data should start very early and that really it's a it's a new form of literacy that's going to become increasingly relevant to people's lives. Mm -hmm. Very much so. In that respect, where do you find maybe the biggest resistance at the moment? What's your biggest challenge of getting people to really understand? And I mean, we can mention just artificial narrow intelligence, where we are at the moment, but where do you see resistance and what's your biggest challenge around educating in this domain? Interestingly, I feel like on the, on the education side of things, on the course development side of things, we see mostly just more demand all the time. There's a lot of people who've recognized already that they want to learn more about AI in some form or fashion in code and data in some way. I think maybe uh, where we run into resistance is more on the the communicating with the rest of the public. Um, I think that that there's still a perception out there, perhaps because the news stories that get carried about AI are oftentimes the disasters, or the you know surveillance gone wrong, or military applications, or things that that really get people worried. And so I think when a, when a lot of people think of AI, they they might have killer robots in mind or something that just. <laughs> is is terrible apocalyptic uh, dystopian future and that's maybe maybe something that i don't deal with on a daily basis because our learners are the people that i serve are very hungry for this stuff and they're mm -hmm. very excited about the applications but i think that you know we publish a newsletter every week for example and we try to cover various aspects of ai but particularly try to highlight some of the uh, some of the exciting positive aspects that are coming out so that people can have a reference point for those if they're not seeing it somewhere else in the news. Um, but, but yeah, maybe public perception is a, is a barrier to say acceptance that the idea that everybody should be learning about code and data or AI in some sense, I think um, right now for a lot of people, it might just seem like something that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good, a good um, idea as well to share the success stories because there are a lot of success stories. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that, as you've mentioned, that it is a skill that can only enhance future skill sets in anyone that works in any domain. It's, it's a really important um, component to have. I'd like to talk to you for so much longer, <laughs> um, but um, I think that we're going to have to sort of start to usher our conversation to a close. 
um, maybe we can take it up another another time on another podcast. Um, but I want to really take this opportunity to thank you for sharing this uh, valuable firsthand information and knowledge. Um, would you like to share any final words with the audience or a part in thought? Well, I think that uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited about the work that we're doing at DeepLearning.ai and creating course materials. Uh, we strive for a very high quality bar when we're creating our courses. But one of the things I'm I'm very excited about right now is we've also started thinking about how expanding access to education is not just about building more courses, but it's about helping to educate the educators or helping to help others become better educators. Because ultimately, if uh, if we can build another great course and serve learners that way, that's that's great. We feel good about that. But one thing that we've launched recently is something we're calling the curriculum architect training program and it's really focused on bringing in people who are already enthusiastic and already perhaps experienced at some level in education and working with them to to both share what we know about creating good educational experiences as well as learn from them and see if we can get better ourselves from that so i think that if we can not just expand access to education in terms of building more educational products and serving them via different platforms, but also make strides in helping the world in general become better at education, better at starting from scratch and creating a good education experience, then I think we can have an even bigger impact. So very excited about that still early stages. We've run one cohort last quarter and we just started another cohort of that program yesterday. And, um, and so I'm excited to see where that goes. And, uh, We'll, we'll have another conversation about that down the road at least. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. That does sound really exciting. And it's certainly an angle of empowerment and I'm sure that you'll be able to empower those future educators and being able to, to bring better education around them AI. Excellent. So I want to thank uh, everyone listening today as well. If you'd like to find out more about Squirrel and the Insight Engine, go to the Squirrel Academy on learn.squirrel.com and access our educational material. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren.